0: It's Monday. Welcome to another beautiful week of real estate investing. My name is Matt Muir, the Managing Editor of the Bigger Pockets blog, and we have three big headlines to talk about this week and what you need to know for your real estate business. We're going to talk about the top real estate markets for cash flow. Hint: one state dominates the list, and we will get to that later. Retirement trajectories have changed. FIRE, financial independence through real estate, is much different than it used to be. We're also going to talk about the 5% down Fannie Mae loan and what that looks like in practice and compare it to the old FHA option to see what's actually better. So like I mentioned, we're going to talk about cash flow. Cash flow, if you don't know, is the most important thing for a real estate investor. It is our lifeblood. But over the last few years, it's actually gotten really, really, really hard to accumulate cash flow. Why? Well, prices went up. That's pretty much it. Also, right now, we have a mortgage rate problem, but it's mostly due to the massive increase in prices that we saw after the pandemic. So let's talk about the historical situation of cash flow beyond this. After the Great Recession, there were phenomenal, phenomenal opportunities to get cash flow. Home prices fell, rents were stable, and investors were able to lock in low monthly payments and generate pretty good cash flow. From the period of 2012 to 2014, There was what we call the cash flow outlier, which was when the rate of home price growth was much higher than rent price growth, which allowed investors to not only accumulate appreciation, but they were also able to get good cash flow. We measure cash flow in a very interesting way. It's not too complicated, but basically we take the rent to price ratio. All you do is divide the median sales price of a home by the median rent price, and you get the RTP. We did an analysis in 2020 of RTP and cash flow, and we found that there's a correlation of 0.85%. Now, if you know anything about regression models or correlations, one is the strongest. So 0.85 is actually quite good. Basically, that proves that RTP is a good measurement for cash flow. But the question is, where do you even find that? Where do you find a good RTP? Now, generally, every market has somewhere with a good RTP. We usually figure out that by taking different zip codes and finding the data in those markets. But right now, we see a massive, massive difference between different regions of the country. So for the most part, the Southeast, the Midwest... Nothing in the West has good cash flow. But if you go into the Southeast, you'll find a lot of suburban markets, a lot of sub-markets that have pretty good cash flow. Think in Charlotte, North Carolina, not so much Charlotte itself, but it's suburban markets surrounding it. So like Matthews, North Carolina, or in Georgia, Atlanta, massive, massive market. In Marietta, you can find pretty good cash flow. And throughout all of Atlanta, if you divide it by zip code, yeah, you can find a good RTP. But in our top 10 list, what we found was that Texas has five of the top 10. Five, that's considerable. McAllen, El Paso, Corpus Christi, Lubbock, and Odessa are in the top five. And in fact, four of those are the top four. So based on that, Texas is the place to be this year. We also found that Rochester, New York, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Mobile, Alabama, and Decatur, Illinois. Now the big caveat here is that While Texas is on this list, there is a massive problem, and that's in the insurance costs. So if you've heard anything about insurance problems, Florida is pretty bad, but also in Texas, it gets hit with the same hurricanes that Florida often gets hit by. That has made insurance prices skyrocket. So while you can find great cash flow based on an RTP value here, what RTP does not take into account is insurance costs, And while that number might change in the future where rent prices will take in the market rate of insurance as a factor, which would likely make rent prices higher, it's not being accounted for in this list. So with a grain of salt, all of these markets, while you can find great cash flow from an RTP standpoint, note that markets like Corpus Christi and El Paso, they are on the coast. That means that it probably has a high insurance cost. But why does cash flow matter? Well, first of all, it's cash flow, right? If you're a real estate investor, you want to make a profit. Cash flow is basically your profit. Two, we're seeing from a larger statistical standpoint that suburban markets are becoming the king of cash flow. You can find good cash flow in downtown markets, but the cost of acquiring a house in a downtown market is significant, right? go to downtown Atlanta, sure, you can find good cash flow because you can rent out a condo in the city for a bunch of money. But it's also going to cost you $800,000 to buy that condo. If you have the capital, that's great. But if you don't have the capital, yeah, yeah, if you're a rookie investor, probably not your best option there, right? How do you make more cash flow, especially in a market where it's hard to come by? Like generally, it's just hard to come by now. How you get more cash flow, because obviously, as a real estate investor, if it's your lifeblood, you need to make it somehow. best way to do that is value add projects, basically renovating, buying a property, flipping it, making more money on it, and just renting it out. Anything value add any any way that you can make a property better and improve it so that you can rent it for a higher price tag or sell it for a higher price is better. You can also refinance down the road, secure a lower rate that's. One of the easiest options, however, you need the right conditions for that. So like right now, six and a half percent mortgage rates. Obviously, you need to wait a little while before you can refinance. And while cash flow, especially over a long timeline, helps you retire, we have an issue with that too. Because retirement just got harder, but we will get right into that after the break.
1: Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. dot ab slash landlord I used to think working from home was the dream until it wasn't between the distractions and the
2: solitude I was struggling. But then, I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace? is not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com slash industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com slash industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious, it's where your best work happens. Seeking the truth never gets old.
0: I just mentioned that retirement is getting harder. What is going on with that, right? Because if you're in real estate, a lot of people get into real estate to retire early. But there's an issue. Your kids, if you have kids, are staying 10 years longer than they would have 40 years ago. New data has found that as of 2020, 50% of children age 18 to 29 live with their parents still. That is the highest number since 1940, when it was 48%. Now, if you remember anything about 1940, in your history class, there was one, World War II was about to start for America, at least it already was going on. And then two, we were coming off of the Great Depression, which is arguably the worst period of economic turmoil in American history. What does that say about now? Well, it's a big deal for real estate investors in particular, because your replacement income requirement for financial freedom is significantly higher. What do I mean by that? Basically, as a real estate investor, you have a certain amount of money that you need to make in order to replace your living expenses, right? So if you have a job and you make $5,000 a month from that job, in order to leave that job and become a full-time real estate investor or just live off of passive income, you need to make $5,000 to replace your Living expenses, right? Well, if you have your family living at your house for a longer period of time, so your children, you're supporting them in some way, I would assume, which means that you need to continue to spend more money for a longer period of time, which reduces your retirement ability. But there's even more factors here. So let's break down a couple stats. We said that 50% of children are living with their parents until 30. Why is it happening? One, housing costs. Housing has gotten way too expensive over the last 10 years. We know this, right? You know especially as an investor. Two, wages. There have been plenty of periods over the last 10 years where wage growth did not match affordability problems. The cost of inflation has really eaten at wage growth. And then there's also student debt issues. There's general debt issues. There's a ton of debt issues. Consumer debt reached a trillion dollars in America a couple months ago. That's more than it's ever been. Parents spend $500 billion every year on their adult children. I will say that again. Parents spend $500 billion on their adult children. By the way, that's double what they spend on their retirement. Double. The calculus here is pretty clear. You can't save for retirement if you're spending that much money on your adult children. Credit Karma did a study recently and they broke down how those adult children are being supported. 64% are letting their kids live at home for free, which that's the easiest, lowest hanging fruit for a parent to do. 49% are paying their monthly bills. 23% are paying for their rent. And 23% give their children an allowance. These are adult children. One mother spoke in a Bloomberg article and basically said that she ran through all of her savings and has even dipped into her retirement funds to help her children go through college, graduate, go through grad school, graduate. But yeah, after all of that, after all the student debt accumulation, after all of the expenses, they still live at home. She's paying for their travel and they're paying for the food and other expenses like their car. Okay, this is a big problem, right? This is a massive problem because the trend doesn't seem to get any better. As time goes on, that number of children who are staying home longer is increasing. And look, there's nothing wrong with supporting your family. There's nothing wrong with supporting your children. And I'm certainly not here to give you parenting advice, right? But if we're looking at this from a monetary standpoint, how much money are you making every month? How much are you saving? How much are you putting aside? This is a massive issue for investors. One, it pulls away from your ability to make investment decisions, right? If you're spending more money, if you're not saving enough money, It makes your life really hard. Also, it moves the pylon for your replacement income. And therefore, your financial freedom is way less accessible than it was. That's a big problem. What's the point of getting involved in the first place if you're not even going to be able to pull off the job that you want to do and, and become financially free? But one of the big key issues here is that it exposes a gaping hole in the financial education of this country. A gaping hole. Why is it, Well, yeah, okay, prices are going up, costs are higher, why is it that after years of college, years of education, years of accumulating student debt, children are still not even able to get a job, they're not able to get out of the house, they're not able to make their own money, why is that happening? So, here's the possible resolutions to all this and and what we should work on as a society. One, and these are just my thoughts, but one Kids need to be given a proper financial education. They just do. And by the way, they are not getting it from their schools. They're not getting it from high school. They're not getting it from college. And that's a big problem. They're spending money on a lot of things. There was another study that found in Bloomberg that the highest driver of luxury sales in the United States is from young adults. If 50% of them are living at home, you have to assume that some of those kids who are still at home Or spending money on things that they should not be buying. Why are they not saving? Why are they not figuring out how to make more money? Listen, I'm not here to give you parenting tips. So you have to have a realistic conversation about what college your kid's going to go to, whether they're going to a very expensive school, a less expensive school, whether a local community college will serve their needs better and they can transfer to a bigger school later on. And we also have to talk about like majors, right? Majors do matter. And ROI should be an important part of that conversation because if you're going to take debt for something, ideally, that debt will be repaid by a higher income earning job than say if you were a fine arts major who makes you know, typical salary of $28,000 a year, right? Versus a business major who makes $50,000 a year starting, et cetera. So that type of conversation matters. It helps them in the long run because they'll actually be able to pay for their debt. They'll be able to pay for their things and they'll have better job opportunities lined up out of school. Now, as for you and your retirement, there is a way to get out of this rut and that's by house hacking, right? So let's talk about a big change in the world of mortgages. Fannie Mae in November, 2023, implemented a game-changing reduced down payment requirement of just 5% for two to four unit properties using a conventional loan. That's the big part of that, conventional loan. The difference between a conventional loan and an FHA loan, which is a government-backed loan, a lot different, right? Conventional loans usually need a 20% down payment, in the past 15 to 35% is kind of the average. FHA loans, 3.5% down. That's a huge difference. With a conventional loan, you need a PMI, which is a private mortgage insurance payment. With FHA loans, it's a insurance backed by the government, prices are variable, and the way you get rid of it is also variable. So with this new loan, basically it is a huge opportunity for house hackers because now they can get into a property that has two to four units with less down. And what do I mean by house hacking, right? So house hacking is when you live in a home and you rent out the other spaces in that home to other people and those people, pay for your mortgage, and then some often. So basically, you're living for free. That is what house hacking means, right? And so with this down payment, it is lower than it ever was before. It's 5% to get in on a multifamily property. That's a phenomenal rate. But we looked at what happens here in practice, right? Because it sounds great, 5%. So we compared the new conventional loan to the 3.5% FHA option. And here's, here's a Big thing you need to know. In this current environment with a higher mortgage rate, the conventional loan rates are about 7%. The FHA loan rates are about 6.25%. And even though it's a 5% down payment, which means that you're putting more money up, which in turn means that you have less money to finance, it is still more expensive per month for the conventional loan than the FHA loan. Once again, less money down for the FHA loan, which means a higher financing cost, but because of that rate difference, 6.25% compared to a 7% rate, you actually have a monthly saving difference of $150. Now, the good thing about this is that this FHA loan, while it's good right now, you might want to refinance it later down the line to a conventional loan, which is when this Fannie Mae loan that's 5% down, will be phenomenal. And I know these terms are scattered. Fannie Mae is the 5% down loan. The FHA is a 3.5%. Just remember those two things. You'll want to refinance when rates drop in the future to the conventional loan because conventional loans are just easier to deal with than the FHA loan. In the FHA loan, you need to live in the property. With the conventional loan, you do not. All of these things considered, the FHA loan right now is still better than the 5% down Fannie Mae loan. And everyone was excited about this 5% down Fannie Mae loan two months ago. I'll say it again. The FHA loan is better right now. All right, that's our show this week. To recap, we talked about the FHA loan, the Fannie Mae loan. We talked about retirement and how that's getting a lot harder. And we also talked about cash flow and what are the best markets in the country to get the cash flow right now. You can find a bunch more information on the BiggerPockets blog. That is www.biggerpockets.com slash blog. Once again, that is www.biggerpockets.com slash blog. I will see you next Monday, and I hope you enjoy
1: your week. Congratulations. You just got smarter and one step closer to reaching your real estate investing goals. You know what else will make you smarter? setting up keyword alerts in your BiggerPockets profile. Go to Account Settings, Alerts, and set up alerts for the market or strategy you're interested in. For example, Turnkey or Kansas City. You're guaranteed to connect with like-minded investors who share similar goals. Want to hear more BiggerPockets daily? Check out some older episodes you missed. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow.